0: Good morning and welcome to this hour of worship. Uh, We are glad that you're here, especially if you are a visitor. We're always glad to have visitors with us. And it is our hope that we make you feel like uh, you're not a visitor, that you're a part of us. So that you'll want to be back to worship with us on many, many future occasions. I want to uh, remind you that this week we will be having our Christmas Eve service. Uh, I believe the time is 6 o'clock. Um, so that you can get on from here to Grandma's house or wherever you might be going on Christmas Eve and get little ones to bed. at a, uh, Good luck with that. At a fairly decent hour. So um, we do invite you to come for our special service uh, of candlelight and communion. <clears throat> we are... Um, giving in, I guess, to the um, threat of swine flu and that we're modifying the way that we take communion. We we have such a crowd that um, we really can't take time for everyone to kneel. So we will do the the way of coming down the aisle and walking by, but you will be given individual cups uh, and individual slices of bread. So to uh, minimize our uh, swine flu risk, Um, And I appreciate those who have worked uh, Lee, primarily, for working uh, the details of of that out so we can have communion in a very meaningful and yet uh, sanitary way. So we do hope you'll be here for that. Finance Committee will be meeting at 4 p.m. this afternoon to work on the budget. We remind our folks to be here as soon as the ball game is over or before if it goes into overtime. Uh, Keith Clark comes, uh, now to share an announcement with us. Good morning. SPRC is now wanting to make public, um, our interest in receiving, um, (laughs) we're interested we're receiving. Um, We're receiving resumes for the position of the children's minister and the director of of family ministries. Uh, Candidates should contact either Arthur or myself through the church office, and we will pass along additional information. We understand the importance of finding outstanding leadership in this position, and we are committed to to this process of of finding an outstanding candidate. We've already received contact from multiple individuals, and we have information transfer ongoing. And we will will provide you timely updates, but hopefully we will have the position filled sometime in January. That's our goal. Thank you very much. You see that we're missing a section of the choir. That's because we've got lots of double dippers, people that do the handbells as well as singing in the choir. And we appreciate that. This has been a wonderful season uh, of Advent with special music, including two children's choirs. And uh, last week was so much fun with the uh, uh, with the worship service here. By the way, if you're internet savvy, you may go on the internet and get to our website, which is GreerChurch.com, and look down there for the traditional service. And you can listen to last Sunday morning's um, worship service in its entirety and i would invite you to do that it's a it's a great way to listen again and it uh, certainly sounds sounds beautiful also the praise band had their concert last night and we appreciate your support many of you were there for that Uh, handbells we appreciate your work constantly and uh, jessica your leadership so it's been a good year we we thank you for for your leadership and also for your participation as a uh, church family Let us now begin together our time of worship. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Amen. of faith is the Apostles' Creed, found on page 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. This time, we will invite Wayne and Jane Rhodes to come and lead us in the lighting of the Advent candle. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
1: We light this candle as a symbol of the Prince of Peace. May the visitation of your Holy Spirit, O God, make us ready for the coming of Jesus, our hope and joy. O come, O come, Emmanuel. i
0: And at this time, we will invite the children to come forward to join Margie Crowley for a few moments of sharing. And children, I believe if you can come the outside, you'll be the easiest way to get here.
2: Good morning. Is everybody happy? You know what? I'm getting excited. It won't be long now, will it? You getting excited? It's almost here. What am I talking about? Christmas. Christmas. That's right. When is Christmas? December 25th. December 25th. And which day of the week is that going to be this time? Friday. Friday. Have all of you been real good? Yes. Yes. I'm sure you have your best part about Christmas? What do you like the most? Let's see. Is it the Christmas tree? No. Is it the parades? No. Is it the cookies and all the good food? No. Is it going to grandmamas or having grandmamas and granddads? No, I haven't gotten it yet. Is it presents under yeah. the tree? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Is it giving presents or getting presents? Giving. Give, me. Give me. Tell the truth now, would you? Give me You believe that, preacher? <laughs> what, Remember you, you're <laughs> in church. Okay. Um, have I covered everything? Let's see, parades and foods and gifts and Santa Claus and Christmas trees. How about the music? The musical we did. Was that fun? Yes. That one your favorite part? Let's see, uh, have I gotten, have I covered everything? Is there anything else about Christmas? Celebrating Jesus', Jesus birth. birth. It's almost like we rehearsed it, isn't it? <laughs> and we didn't. You're exactly right. Why do we have Christmas in the first place?
1: Because um, that's Jesus. You're right. Sir. Jesus is what? Jesus is God is the Messiah, God's son, and he was born the day, the December 25th, and we celebrate it because it's a very special day. That's
2: pretty good. Pretty good. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right, John, and it's Jesus' birth. Um, we don't want to forget the real meaning. Even though all that other stuff is fun, we don't ever want to forget the real meaning of Christmas, which is, it's Jesus' birthday. Y'all knew that, didn't you? Uh, Let me tell you a story. That kind of reminds me of a story about a little boy. He'd always wanted to go to the circus. Never been to the circus. Always wanted to go. He was walking downtown with his mother one day, and he looked in a store window, and there was a sign that said circus coming to town on Saturday and it gave the date. That little boy got so excited he couldn't wait to get back home and tell his daddy and of course his mother had seen the sign and he was talking with them and he said I wanna go. And they said well that might be possible. He said but it it takes some money and they said well if you're really Willing to work and make the money, you can go. Well, of course, that little boy was like you. He was so good, and he just worked that week because he wanted to go to the circus. And on Saturday morning when it was time, he got up, did his chores, didn't even have to be asked, ran to his daddy and told his daddy, he said, I've done all my chores. Can I have my money now to go to the circus? And, of course, his daddy said Yes. So he and a little friend lived very close to town, so they were running into town, and while they were running, they saw coming down the street some elephants and some tigers in cages and some other animals, and they saw clowns, and they saw people doing acrobatics and just all sorts of things, and he was so excited. He knew he was at the circus. So he just stood there and watched as everything went by. And at the end of the of the parade, some clowns brought by a man had on a very big hat. He was called the Ringmaster. And when he got in front of the little boy, he took his hat off and tipped it to him. And you know what the little boy did? He put all of his money in that hat. He was so excited because he had enjoyed the circus. But you know what? You and I know that he didn't really go to the circus at all, did he? He had just seen the parade that was just a little part of a circus. So when he got back home and he was telling his mother and daddy about it, they said, son, you gave all your money to that man and you missed the real circus? That was just the parade. We don't want to miss the real meaning of Christmas, do we? So when you're eating those good foods and when you're visiting with relatives and when you're looking at all the lights, any of you go riding around looking at lights at night? That's fun. When you're doing all those things and giving presents and getting presents, let's remember the real meaning of Christmas, which is... Jesus' birthday. That's exactly right, Jesus' birthday. After the prayer, I'm going to give you a picture and it's going to show you Jesus' birthday. There's a special name that's given to this picture where you have Jesus and his mother and daddy. And what were their names? Mary and Joseph. Joseph. Mary and Joseph, right. And when he's in the cradle, what's that scene called? Nativity. Nativity. Nativity, that's right. Each of you will get a picture, and then you'll get a little bag with the box of crayons, and there may be another little goodie in there for you. So let's bow your heads, and after the prayer, you stay until you get the picture and the little bang. Bow your heads, please. Dear Jesus, we know that it's lots of fun to do all of the things that we love to do at Christmas, like giving gifts and getting gifts and eating and visiting and looking at lights. But let us never forget the real meaning of Christmas which is Jesus' birthday. Amen.
0: I've got something to do during the sermon now. <laughs> Here now, our uh, Old Testament reading from Matthew, uh, Micah. Excuse me, Micah chapter five, verses two through five a. Uh, if you're thumbing through and trying to find the the page, it is page one thousand four hundred and forty five. I say that because I see Don Lewis up in the balcony thumbing through looking for it. Now he says I ought to always do that to help you out. So I do that remembering that today. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, even though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come to me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old. From ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned. Until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock. In the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be their peace. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is um, the Magnificat on page 199 of your hymnal. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this passage together responsively. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord.
1: My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, who has looked
0: with favor on
1: me, a
0: loyal servant. From this day, all generations shall call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me,
1: and holy is the name of the Lord, whose mercy is on those who fear God from generation to generation.
0: The arm of the Lord is strong and has scattered the proud in their conceit. God
1: has cast down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly.
0: God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away.
1: God has come to the end of Israel, the chosen Israel, remembering the promise of mercy, the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham.
0: epistle reading is uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 10 and so that makes that on page 1873. Therefore when Christ came into the world he said sacrifice an offering you did not desire but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Here ends the lesson. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, it would seem that there are times that we express ourselves better in in song, poetry, and even bells than we do in spoken prose. Because when it comes to expressing The depth of our joy and thanks to you, words just don't seem to express all that we feel. So we come with a variety of methods to, to say to you and to remind one another that you are our good shepherd. You tend to your sheep at all times. You take care of us even when we don't want to be taken care of. You love us when we don't want to be loved and when we are well aware that we don't deserve it, and yet your love remains. You came for us in Christ Jesus to show us yourself, your heart, your power, and the depth of your willingness to love us by giving yourself totally for us and for our salvation. We thank you for this, even though there have been times in our lives when we didn't pay that any attention, even when there have been times when we have ignored the coming of Jesus to us, at times when we doubt and question and wonder what all this means. But none of that changes your heart of love for us and your willingness to come to be with us then and now. And we are truly thankful for this remarkable love, this unquenchable love that you have for us. Lord, we pray that we would somehow experience the depth of that love And be able to share that with others that we come in contact with. Even though they may not be easy for us to love. Let us be reminded, Lord, that we sometimes are not easy to love. Fill us with joy so that some of that joy that Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men experienced might be ours at this time of year and always that joy might propel us in our lives every day to follow after christ who is our lord we are thankful that we are now on the very eve or the, the week of the coming of our annual celebration of of the birthday of jesus We're grateful for the excitement we see in our children. We're thankful for the joy of our music. And we pray, O Lord, that we might truly be reminded always that we give presents because Almighty God gave a present to us on that first Christmas. The gift of your heart of love in Christ Jesus. Lord, we are mindful that there are those who are struggling this time of year with many things. There are those who are facing loneliness and grief at a time when they are feeling that they should be filled with joy. There are those in hospital beds. There are those who are struggling with a very severe illness at a time when we call on them to be joyful we lift these, our brothers and sisters, up to you for your healing touch. And may they in some measure find joy in your presence and joy as they think of the manger. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. and Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thing I have noticed for the last couple of weeks as the adult uh, chancel choir had their uh, leadership role in the service last week and today, the uh, handbell, one thing I've noticed is that Lynn Clark has seemed entirely too happy to just be sitting back there. I just, uh, you deserve it after 35 years. Uh, it is good to look out also and see Russ and Christy McDonald with us today. Uh, Russ is our student at Duke, preparing for uh, uh, some role of ordained ministry, perhaps uh, teaching, perhaps pastoring. And, and uh, Russ, you got one semester done, you got five more to go, right? And uh, another debt to go into next semester. So uh, anyway, we're, we're with you and thinking about you both as you uh, make your progress. Here now the gospel reading from Luke chapter one, Verses 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Here ends the lesson. The two greatest Christmases of my life were the Christmas of, of 1981 and 1984 because Penny was great with child during both of those Christmases. That was such a special, wonderful time in our lives. You know, there's nothing quite like seeing your wife learning to maneuver through tight spaces now that she occupied more three-dimensional space than normal. And in Penny's case, we applied for a new zip code. Penny, one time, wiped out my parents' Christmas tree trying to get behind it. Just took it out, and we had to put it back up and put all the ornaments back on it. It was during the Christmas week, uh, those years, when, when I could first feel the kick of the unborn infant, and that was absolutely pure magic. A few months uh, later in 1982, and about two months before Hillary was born, Penny and I went to a Neil Diamond concert, and little unborn Hillary danced and leaped all night to that loud music. We knew she was gonna like good music, if you call Neil Diamond good music. I guess that's up to your interpretation. But uh, but it's a wonderful wonderful thing, and let's face it, men. You and I will never know anything close to that feeling. The closest we might ever come to that feeling is after we've eaten too many fried onion rings at the Beacon. That might possibly get close. But anyway, in 1981, when we lived there, uh, lived in Saluda, South Carolina, uh, during that first pregnancy and that made the uh, experience all the more memorable to me anyway. The older people in that very agricultural community had a real difficult time even acknowledging pregnancy. One dear lady began telling me about the joy she remembered of preparing for the birth of her first child. Things like getting things for the nursery and and like getting presents from people. And then she stopped in the middle of that normal conversation and her face turned red. And she said, oh, I guess I shouldn't be talking to a man about these things. And I thought, about a party? You know, it didn't make sense to me. My philosopher friend down there, Gary Jean, got quite concerned about me when he learned that I planned to go into the delivery room To witness the birth of our child. He told me that he knew about one man who had done that. Who had ever since the child was born had to live in a mental institution because he went crazy. But after talking about it we decided that since I was already crazy it would be okay for me to, to be there. But down in Saluda I knew we couldn't talk about things as personal and wonderful as feeling the kick of an infant in the womb, even though it is one of the more wonderful and natural experiences. So isn't it interesting that something so personable, personal and perhaps unmentionable as baby's movements in the womb would be included in our Bible and in the Christmas story. When the angel Gabriel visited Mary, Not only did he tell her about the coming of Jesus, but he had made mention of the fact that her older cousin Elizabeth was expecting a baby. Mary must have thought, well, first the angel tells me something that seems impossible about me, that I'm going to have a baby, and now he tells me something else that seems just as impossible. Old cousin Elizabeth is expecting her first child. Soon after, Elizabeth, uh, soon after the angel left, uh, Mary made plans to go visit Elizabeth. Well, wouldn't you? If something as unbelievable as an angel visitation had happened to you, and the only way you could get a second opinion as to whether this visitation had been real or imagined, was to check out the details of the angel's story, wouldn't you pack your bags and go to see if old cousin Elizabeth really was expecting a baby? And if it turned out to be true, wouldn't you be so overcome with your emotions that you would sing out as Mary did? My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In telling the story of Romeo and Juliet, Andy Griffith used to say, When Romeo saw Juliet on the balcony, he broke out into a soliloquy. Well, when Mary saw Elizabeth, she broke out in the Magnificat. She did so because of what Elizabeth said to her. Mary, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. It was true. Old cousin Elizabeth was expecting a baby. Well, Mary, there's the confirmation that you were seeking. It's a a fascinating thing to me that something so natural and normal as a baby's movements in the womb, something my old friends down in Saluda would have been embarrassed to talk about, would have been given such a prominent place in this story that Luke tells us about the nativity. All four gospel writers felt the need to begin their story telling about John the baptizer, the work of John, but only Luke thought the story of the leaping, unborn baby John deserved to be included in the story. John, who grew up to be the forerunner of God's kingdom, excitedly preparing people for the coming of the Messiah, was very excited about the visit of Jesus' mother that day, Luke tells us. Now, if you read between the lines, it is possible to see how this encounter could have well-shaped John's life from the moment of his birth. He would have grown up hearing that story. They're stories we all grew up with, that we heard from our parents that helped shape us. When you're told, as I was as a young child, that I was named for Dr. Arthur Gunter, a very well-respected United Methodist pastor, you grow up remembering whose name you carry. And when you see that distinguished pastor, you think, why did my parents want to give me that name? I can't live up to that kind of of a person. And so John must have been shaped by similar kind of stories. He, he learned how he was destined by God to be the forerunner of the Christ, how he had been the surprise child to very aging parents, how his father was told by an angel about the purpose of his life, and how he had leaped in his mother's womb when she heard Mary's greeting. No wonder that John turned out to be, in Jesus' own words, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Now, what causes movements of the unborn is interesting. Some mothers-to-be tell me that their babies are quiet and motionless all day, but just let them lie down to try to take a nap, and that's when baby decides to wake up and start moving. Babies definitely react to things like that, They also react to loud noises. And they are born with the ability to recognize their mother's uh, voices because they've heard those voices for nine months. I never will forget little John when uh, the morning after his birth, he was brought, rolled into Penny's room. And he just lay there just kind of looking around. And then Penny said something to me. John's little neck jerked around and he heard her, his mama's voice and and he knew that voice. And maybe he thought, there's food around the corner. You know, I don't know. But it's fascinating what children know the minute they get here. Whatever causes the movement to Elizabeth, this leaping was much more than just a coincidence. It was to her Uh, another sign among many others that assured her that God was busy doing some wonderful things for his people in those days. Elizabeth, you see, was not only unexpectedly expecting, but she was also enjoying a time of relative peace and quiet because her husband couldn't talk right then. He had doubted the word of the angel concerning the birth of his son, and so the angel had said to him, well, because you don't believe what I said, you're not going to be able to talk for a while. And so he, was, uh, uh, he lost his voice. But somehow, in spite of all that, he'd been able to communicate enough to Elizabeth that had been told to him by the angel so that she knew that this baby was going to be like Elijah, the prophet, going ahead of the Lord, the Christ, Restoring people of Israel to faith in God and preparing people for the coming of the Messiah. So this leaping was a sure sign to Elizabeth that she was in the presence of the unborn Messiah. Blessed are you among women, she said, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? It is very helpful sometimes when we can find a meaning to an apparently ordinary circumstance. You ever have that experience? Something happens and and you and it may seem coincidental, but upon further reflection, you think, well, maybe there was something more to this. Some meaning. Eleven months after my sister's second son was born, she gave birth to a me, an infant daughter who came so early she almost did not survive. Thankfully, she did survive and has a cute little girl that looks just like her now. But while my sister and her husband and my parents were living at the hospital with that baby, struggling with their fears and questions, spending endless days at the hospital wondering why, God, why did this happen Someone said something that gave divine meaning to all that they were going through. That person said, that little girl was just too special for God to keep any longer away from you. She was so special, God couldn't wait any longer to send her to you. That statement reminded all of us that this premature birth had not caught God by surprise, and God was there with them all. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped, and Elizabeth interpreted this to be joy that the baby felt in being in the presence of the mother of the Savior. When you can connect some event in your daily life with some spiritual truth like that, it adds meaning, doesn't it, to your lives? Now, we all know people that carry this too far. Everything in their lives they say is God's doing, and everything that they say is something God told them to say, and everything they do is something God told them to do. And yes, those people are a bit spooky. But most of us are just the opposite of those people. We are never aware of the hand of God in our lives. We can see a beautiful sunset and not recognize the architect of that sunset we aren't aware that jesus is healing us when the doctor gives us a shot or a prescription or when a surgeon operates to repair our bodies we don't see the hand of god in our lives we don't see that there are opportunities when when god gives us one to serve our fellow human being or to grow in grace that God is at work in our lives. Maybe we need a little dose of spirituality from some of our spooky friends. God is certainly more involved in our daily lives than we're ever aware of. Sometimes, Elizabeth would say, God is even involved in a baby's leap in the mother's womb. In her conversation with Mary, Elizabeth declares Mary to be blessed For believing God's word to her. For believing what God said would come true. We too are blessed from hearing God's promises to us. From God's word. Promises of grace, forgiveness, and life eternal. And we're blessed when we believe them. Mary responds with the statement of how humbled that she is to have even been noticed by God. God had overlooked the high and the mighty. And had come instead to one of very humble origins. Correctly she states that all future generations would call her blessed. And she does remain today to us a sterling example of humility and dedication to Almighty God. Mary correctly sees the work of Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham and his descendants and as an expression of God's mercy to all of his people. And according to the text, Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months, leaving for home very shortly before John was born. We really don't know much more about cousins Mary and Elizabeth and whether their boys ever got to meet each other when they were children. It is fairly obvious that they didn't have much contact in those early years because John didn't recognize Jesus when he came to the Jordan. This is what John said. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. So this Christmas, if you're blessed to be around some little child, I want you to try to picture Jesus at that age. Curious, inquisitive, mildly irritating at times. This morning at the early service, when after the children's sermon, um, Andy's children are always doing something to embarrass him now. Uh, last night during the concert, there was a pause between songs and Caroline said we're ready (laughs) well this morning Eli waved to us and said I'm going to the nursery (laughs) look at those children and think of Jesus he didn't go from being a baby in a manger to a grown man he went through all those stages he was a child he was a toddler in diapers Jesus was one of us in every sense of the word incarnate in human flesh. Think about that. And remember that God reveals himself to us in some very, very ordinary ways in an infant and sometimes even in the leaping of a baby in the womb. Amen.